everyone, and welcome to Pi Cubed, the podcast about science, technology, and anything else we find interesting. I'm your host, Francesca Buziello. Joining me today, as usual, is Salman Siddiqui. Hey, Salman, how are you doing? Not so good. Not so good. Why are you oscillating in your chair? Well, I just thought I'd like to in- introduce a, a little bit of chaos into the system. Okay. So Increase the entropy of the room. Yeah, so, I mean, every week I, I, I say the same thing. Yeah, I'm doing all right, doing good, so... If you're trying changing, to change it up. Yeah, mix it up a little. We're going crazy this week. Yeah. Anyway, what else have you found interesting this week? <sighs> the world's boring, that's it. No, nothing else. No, let's, let's talk about, um, first, Google. We always, talk, we always talk about Google for some reason. But um, m- they introduced a new service in Google, which is uh, when you die, which we all will. Google death. Google death, yes. They kill you. <laughs> Is, is that like the sort of hitman service? Yeah, and you plus one it and, you know, approve. No. So if I want to kill you, I just put a plus one on you and... Yes, that's exactly how it works. Then they'll come and get you. Yes. They'll come and annihilate your whole online existence. Kind of. So what they're doing <laughs> is that you you can set a timer on your Google email and profile, etc. Your plus, uh, you know, uh, data that... After three months, six months, or twelve months, or nine months of inactivity, uh, your profile gets deleted and your data gets deleted, which is good. You know, if you die, then you know your profile gets cancelled, well, so you don't stay online even though you're not. Well, what if alive. you're on a on a mission to Mars and you're gone for like two years, but you forgot to to I would turn that on? Uh, well, that that's it. You just not gonna have any more data on Google. Crap. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's an interesting um, question. Like, what happens to all of our data when we die? Because our lives these days are very connected. They everything's online. Like people post everything on Facebook, and not on Twitter, Facebook, yeah. and Google, and the Blogger, and Tumblr, well, you can, and Pinterest. Well, and, with a lot of people, you can tell exactly what they're doing at, at at each precise time of the day. You can see where they've been. You can see what time they. I checked they in at eat. the bakery again. You can see what time they go to the toilet. You can see like what drinks they like. You can see what meal they normally eat. Yeah, look, when at, they, look at this amazing pie! I bought. When they Instagram it and uh, uh, it's uh, and then like you can tell exactly what bands they're into and all that kind of stuff. It's uh, it's it's quite scary the amount of data that there is on me online. Yeah, I mean, if you search, although you're lucky or unlucky, because your name is quite common. Yeah. So if you search for your name, you find a lot of other people. It isn't like a famous American uh, politician or judge called Salman Siddiqui. I don't know. Is there? Yeah, I think so. There's someone famous. Well, you normally end up finding pictures of Indian actors and stuff like that. Yeah, someone can. But yeah, but if if you search for me, I'm the top of Google results because there's very few with my surname. Um, so, but yeah, the, I mean, I was thinking about that uh, the other day because I I learned that a, a person who went to school with me uh, she died uh, last year. I didn't know, and I was told the other day. The other day. And uh, I searched for her online, and there's nothing left of her. So I guess her parents took off all of her stuff. Okay. Which is you know when you die, like what's left of you? Maybe it's nice. To leave behind your Facebook profile, you know, people can see what you've done. I'm not sure. Like, what's and worse? They can post our tributes for you or something. I don't know. Yeah. But um, but but, but does your whole online presence die with you when you when you die? Well, I would hope that our our blog doesn't die and people can listen to this podcast and it's there forever and ever, right? It's like in theory, our digital in- information's not well, going anywhere. Well, when WordPress.com fails and the servers go down, then... Well, we're going to back it up, aren't we? But, yeah, there are services which back up the whole yeah. internet, yeah. And, we can, and then we could migrate servers and move it. But, um, I mean, what happens to our data? It's just stored out there. To... But, yeah, but and there it... needs to be someone who still copies it over. Like, there needs to be backup services because hard drives fail. I mean, people think of the cloud, but cloud is just servers. It's just more hard drives. But the thing is, they have they they have servers that end up mirroring other servers, 
and so you so you're having they they're constantly backing each other up and and that's how you end up having lots of um locations for the same source of our data yeah that's true but um I, I don't know, but uh, I did some uh, quick research because uh, I was curious how uh, Facebook and Twitter handle uh, the users dying. Because Facebook's been around for what, uh, six, seven years? Five years? Six years? Yeah. Since we started university, so like 2006, 2005. I'm sure those people have died. Yeah, you've got a lot of Facebook. older followers and stuff well, as like well. Old, old people are on Facebook, but even just, you know, people die. People die, it's yeah. just, you know, the circle of life. Uh, but I was looking at it, and basically on Facebook you can uh, memorialize an account. So if you are a relative or a friend, uh, you send in your details, you send in a death certificate, uh, which you know has to show that the other person is actually dead, and then you can you know you can lock the profile and say oh this person died on this day, and people can put tributes on your or oh, you know okay. their old profile that they're now dead. What about if you've got pictures and stuff which you don't want other people seeing and like they're just there forever now? I guess so. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm maybe you know I'm sure if you contact Facebook, they might delete the profile if you push them. Maybe. But there is no, as far as I can tell, All right. like automatic way to do All right. it. How do they verify that you're dead? There's a you need like a death certificate. You need proof. Cool. Okay. Yeah, you you can't just say, <laughs> oh, someone's dead. Delete his profile or. No, no, you need, it needs to be. That, that reminded me of a, of a unfortunate time. Actually, um, I knew someone who was unfortunately shot. Okay. And um, and then a few months later, this was back in the days when I was still using MSN Messenger. Right. The person's MSN account said hi to me. Okay. It's like, it's like, what's going on here? And so was it. For a split second, I thought, "Holy crap!" And then, uh, then I realized, "Well, it must be someone else." And and it was the person's older brother who I didn't know, but um, okay. saying, "Yeah, it was a it was a tragic in, in incident and so on." But in, in the UK, not many people. It wasn't get in shot. the UK. No, it wasn't in the UK. No, no. Yeah. Fair but, enough. Yeah. It was in uh, Pakistan. Yeah. All right. That, that makes more sense. More likely. It's still a shame. I'm look, I'm looking at it now on Twitter. And it's the same thing as Facebook. You just need uh, the username, a copy of the user, the user's death certificate, etc. Uh, and they'll do the same thing. They'll deactivate the account. Although oh, I was reading, there's an experiment in um, artificial intelligence called LiveOn. Okay. In which uh, you sign up for it, and the AI learns mm. how you tweet what you tweet about oh yeah I've I've read about this and yeah. then when you die um, a relative which has the the password or to this account can decide whether to activate it after you're dead uh, and it will keep tweeting even though you're not there anymore <laughs> which I'm not sure how I feel about that no. I, I think it's an interesting experiment in terms of AI like learning and mimicking the style and the content of tweets. So it's not you, but it's something that you've pretty much programmed through your actions. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the same uh, yeah, usual paradox, right? Like if someone copies your brain and puts it in someone else, is that person you? Like mm. it, like it, that's more philosophical. Yeah, well, it, I can't remember what it's called. Um, the, the Jacob's Boat? I'm gonna say something stupid. Um, You're thinking of Asimov? No, okay. No, no, no. It's like if you take a boat, right? The boat has a name, and you take the boat and you change every single piece. Like you replace the engine, you replace the rudder. Is it the so same like, boat? Is it the same boat, right? Yeah. Like, most people would say maybe yes. <laughs> if, if, if you own a car and you replace everything, it's still the same car to you. But, but you watch only fools the... and horses, right? Or right? you? Or, or you used to watch Only Fools and Horses, right? Uh, yeah, long time ago. Uh, there was a funny joke when uh, when a uh, trigger he wins uh, like a prize from his from his uh, our local um, council's um, mayor or something. Okay. And um, for being like for his our services to the council and as 
he was I'm a street cleaner so so I'm as part of uh, his uh, thing he was out talking to uh, Delboy saying I have had the same broom for like for, for like 13 years and in that time it's had eight different handles and six different brushes and they all look at him thinking how is it the same broom <laughs> they say like, well it's here what more evidence do you need yeah it's but obviously, I don't do it justice, but you have to yeah, watch it. So. But especially um, it's a studies, new it. like uh, uh, a cognitive science, like cognitive scientists are researching uh, this, like, you know, what do we perceive as things and how do they change if you change what they are? Well, are you the same person? What do you mean? Are you the same person that you were like 10 years ago? Obviously not. All your cells have changed, they've all, well, all yeah. regenerated and... <laughs> yeah, all of your atoms are probably not the same. Yeah, maybe. Well, no. But no, well, your bones are the same. Let's not Definitely. get into that before we say something really stupid. We uh, probably say stupid things all the time. on average every minute. So, if if you guys notice a glaring mistake or just a mistake, just let, let us know. We we'd like to be accurate and. Mistakes so, slip through. So basically, what does happen with my whole online trail? Um, it's like I've I have hundreds of online accounts signed up to all these different websites. Do they just some of these I haven't probably accessed in two years? Some I I won't ever access again. Um, some of these things I use all the time. What happens to all this data that is under my name online? Is there is there a way of like you know pressing a button and sort of erasing your entire online presence? Not yet, but I'm sure there will be. Like, like there are so I can get Chrome out the extensions, like for for privacy, it tells you like which websites can access what, and you know it checks your Facebook, like is your privacy are your privacy settings the right ones or the secure ones? And I'm sure one day there'll be a Chrome extension or a Firefox or whatever, which is like kill your online presence and just so, so, so no press a button and then. Everything goes. So no one can ever have any evidence of you being anywhere. Well, yeah. I, I mean, in theory, right? Um, the data on Facebook is not indexed by search engines. In theory, right? It's it's just in a database, which is not publicly accessible. And pr probably it is, though. Like I'm sure advertisers have access to this stuff. Uh, which we'll move on to the next subject, which is still Facebook. Uh, Facebook Home. You know what this is, someone? It's um, is our, our Facebook moving into uh, the property market now. No, uh, it's um, it's a skin or more like a home screen replacement for Android phones. So Android okay. phones. Uh, so your sort of homepage every time you turn on your phone. Yeah, and and basically what they're trying to do is uh, you know integrating Facebook into phones. So your 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 home screen shows a bunch of Facebook stuff, shows your feed okay. and ways to interact with your friends on Facebook, etc. So it's going to change from being Android OS to Facebook OS. Well, it's still Android. It's just a Android-based Facebook. Okay. Yeah. Um, people on the on you know, on on the Android store are not very happy about it. Like the average review is like one star. Okay. But it doesn't mean anything though, because when people don't like things. They tend to. Uh, Rate them down and over. Uh, they overdo it uh, with the with the crit criticism. Yeah. Uh, when you have a like like a star system, you end up getting votes in extremes. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Uh, but what was the realization I had the other day, right, is that we are not Facebook users, right? The users of Facebook, like the customers, are the advertisers. You and I are products. Okay. Because Facebook sells us. <laughs> right. Your data is what Facebook sells to advertisers, or Google sells to advertisers, or even YouTube. It's all based on advertising and data. Yeah. So this Facebook home is a way to get even more data. Like, you know, you're uh, just going to check in everywhere because it's going to be really easy to do it. And it's just going to know everything about they know, you. They know every time you're going to be, like, communicating with someone and... What comes through and yeah, what? I, I don't know what they log, but I'm sure like the reasoning behind it was not to increase the amount of people who use Facebook because I think that's kind of peaked. Yeah. But it's more like the amount of data they have on each person. 
because you know if you're not a particularly active Facebook user like you don't maybe you use it but you don't post much stuff if you're gonna have it on your phone some people just lurk don't they or just you know what the occasional hello hi to someone and I, I mainly use it as a messaging service. yeah yeah I don't really use it for you know snooping on other people's lives but something I mean like that. I mean all the people I used to know they're all on Facebook and and it's an easy way to like like say hi to someone or or, or for them to contact you for that matter yeah, yeah so that's Facebook. and it's a good way to share your articles and yeah. and your web page uh, even though now uh, Facebook makes it really hard to share things yeah uh, because they want you to pay it used to be that if you are if you're part of a group before like okay for example pages yeah if you post something on the page, for example, uh, awful, uh, the pie cubed page, stuff, yeah, um, then it will reach all of your followers. So like that's almost. if that's if I post it personally on my page. Well, no, not even, not even that anymore. No, no. Okay. What, anything you you post on Facebook does not reach everyone on your friends list or people who like the page. Okay. Uh, if you want, you need to promote. Everything. <laughs> you need to pay. All right. And it wouldn't cost us that much because we don't have many people who like our page or I don't have many friends on Facebook but if you're a small company but with a big following and you relied on Facebook for sharing your information you're a bit screwed right now okay because they're going to charge you for the number of followers you have yeah if you want to reach 50,000 people each post you make is going to cost you like a grand or so you have to work out what is the how much money you're making per follower for that, for that to actually be worthwhile yeah, I mean, if you're Coca-Cola, then you have the money. But if you're a small business, then you don't. Sure. Which is a shame. By the way, on a similar note, um, have you heard this or or read this thing about about Bing imitating um, Google search results? Well, they're copying them, aren't they? Well, apparently. Yeah, apparently that's... Allegedly. Our, uh, that's our Google claims. Um, they've they've done a few like tests and they had similar results. To yeah, they they hid some they did some anomalous search results, right? And yeah, I think Google manipulated their search results. Yeah, and uh, the same weird ones appeared popped up on Bing. Yeah, basically, and, and, and then having their own algorithms, but apparently they're copying them. So and then. And then Microsoft's response was, so what? <laughs> Apparently. Okay. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. So they claim. Let's talk about smart cities, Salman. What is that? Cities with a high IQ level? No. Yes. No, it's not. Well, actually, that, that, that's the problem. Uh, nobody knows. Like, smart cities is a very uh, vague term that now has been appropriated a bit, a bit by marketers and companies. Like, oh, we're going to make your city smart, but what does that really mean? Um, so we're going to try to define it a little bit, and I guess it's uh, what it means is the uh, you know uh, smart citizens, uh, smart transport, and smart administration and smart in, in data. Oh yeah, that's that, that is more of the lines that I imagined. It was um, you know all this talk about big data, yeah, where where they basically log everything and they can they can see live live updates of sort of how much our traffic is going through one artery of the city um what um like sort of where the energy usage is is at a maximum and they can use all of this um like our data to go about making the um the whole way all the other processes in in a city occur more smart so uh, oh, sorry, more efficient. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, if you think about the way uh, cities work nowadays, right? They're a bit more. They sound a bit like a communist state, like a five-year plan, right? There's a an administration which is voted in, usually a mayor and a council, and then they decide the projects to do, right? Mm -hmm. But these projects are not necessarily a a response to you know what's really happening. It's more like we think that this should be a good idea, but many times it's not you know based on real data. Smart cities, in theory, is uh, you would have you know lots of data available to everyone, to the council, to the people, 
so that uh, you know things like um, traffic, right? Some basic examples. Some places are already uh, act using this, where you have cameras on top of traffic lights and uh, intersections and stuff, and uh, you know the program can automatically regulate, um, you know the the traffic lights. Yeah. Well, um, to to have smoother traffic. Well, you've got uh, sensors on the road that can see how much our traffic is passing by one area yeah, in a time, and then they things like the congestion charge in London. That's an example of smart city. Um, some of them you, they have what they have um, uh, was it Wi-Fi hotspots all over the city. Yeah, and true. and so and so if you're if you're in the vicinity um, of one of these Wi-Fi hotspots, you can sort of have like updates on your on your immediate area or something. But um, yeah, because um, you know, uh, science fiction. Uh, back in the day, used to theorize that we were all going to be you know, communicating <coughs> in, you know, in maybe things on your arms or uh, other communicating systems. But now we all have that. You know, it's your phone. Uh, the amount of um, interaction that we have is less than the science fiction authors thought, which is a good thing because you can choose which data to share with other people, which is nice. It's not like you know, it, it always checks where you are. Yeah. You can decide whether you want to check into Foursquare or whatever. Um, yeah, the idea is that you know, if you're a citizen, uh, if you have access to the, this data, then you can decide what to do. Uh, say, you know, you are able to check if there's a parking space somewhere else in the city. Sure. Or uh, another idea is uh, those um, shared cars. Okay. You know, that uh, there are parking spots for these shared cars that the company makes. I guess that can come in use. Say whether uh, you want to go to the gym now, you can see. Whether it's going to be congested at a certain oh, yeah. time, well, or you know, and then you see, it, is, is there you know one of these shared cars outside? You go there, you put in your credit card or whatever, you take the car and you leave it at, at the gym or whatever close by, and someone else can take their car, and so you don't have you know a hundred million cars going through the middle of the city and you know making a terrible mess like you know in uh, in some urban third world cities mm. like just much less organization that the traffic is just insane. I, the, there are, I think, as many cars in India than there are in England, but the traffic is not comparable at all. Even though India is huge, because uh, in the big cities like you know Delhi or uh, it's crazy, or Madras or whatever, Chennai, uh, just crazy amount of cars and people and no, no information about anything. Mm. So yeah, so that's <clears throat> what about energy consumption? What can yeah. they do? And another. Another big uh, thing is that uh, is smart energy, which which can be like a simple thing. Say for example, uh, you have a smart uh, uh, meter. Uh, so I'm here in my living room. And there's a meter which doesn't just you know measure how much I'm spending. It also tells me. So it's it beeps. Say we have this like a weird spiking consumption, or if you can check you know your average consumption compared to, you know your consumption against the average. Uh, so you're like, oh, you look at it and like, oh, I'm, you know, my consumption is huge. Why? And then you find out that your TV that's on standby for some reason is drawing a huge amount of power. You would not know otherwise. Yeah. So that's one example. Another is uh, a more efficient usage of energy. On that point, are there um, any current existing uh, devices that can actually, I would do that for you, that you can actually see. Um, you, you can actually have a breakdown of your of your home's electricity bill and see what is outdrawing how much. Um, yeah, if, if I'm not mistaken, San Diego has implemented something similar. San Diego. Yeah, somewhere in California. Anyway. What What do you mean? The whole city has in. Uh, well, you need, you need to be a smart grid. Like you need to be able to. No, no. Information. No, what I'm talking about. Say, like, was it within your own home? Yeah. Is there a way of sort of is there um, a device that you can a attach to your plugs and see how that, much? That I don't know. I, I think it has to go through your mains connection. Yeah, of of, of so course. So like, but yeah, the I, the I can imagine. Meters, like my my meter just has a number on it, like which doesn't mean anything to me. But but that's your overall electricity our consumption. Yeah, but is there, there are, a way of having it yes. broken down? Yeah, there are. But I think your electricity company has to support it. You can't just you know put it in yourself. So it needs to be. It needs, it needs to be. I don't know. I can see. A, I I'm can not see sure. A, I'm I, an idea here, but, but ideally, you if you know if you're a city, you would force uh, 
if you're a country, you would force citizens to adopt this. Because, you know, consumption of electricity does go down when you realize uh, how much you're consuming. Oh, it's just a light that I left on. It just doesn't, just, you know, 50 watts. But then you see accumulate and it tells you, like, oh, you have, you know, you're consuming lots of electricity. Uh, just making people aware that they can do something. Like, it's, same, it's the same with, you know, um, uh, with toilets. If you have a big button and a small button for different sizes of stuff you want to flush, <laughs> then, pe you know, places that have many of those toilets, they tend to consume less water. Have you seen the ones that have no button? You just sort of wave your hand over it and... Are they smart or are they just just same amount of flushing every time? They're not smart, but, yeah, but you don't have to touch anything. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> nice in public toilets, especially. <laughs> yeah, and another um, uh, smart city uh, thing to do for electricity, for power, is to capture waste heat. Right? Uh, so much of, uh, of the heat we use uh, goes to waste. Yeah, okay. That can... mm. Uh, just you know, from from the power generation uh, to you know my house, your house, everyone's house. Uh, it all leaks heat, and yeah, it all leaks heat. Like that's uh, and, and the fact is that you know, for example, the window I have in this house, which is uh, renting this house, uh, they're not they're not double glazed. Well, here in the UK, the it's loss of heat's the main it's just crazy. main energy. It's just it's weird because it's a cold country. Like, it's not as cold as say Finland or Norway, but it, it is pretty cold like, compared to Italy and. In my home, Italy have double glazing, and not here. Uh, and even though you know where I live, it never goes below ten degrees. But yeah, there's so much heat which is escaping, which you, you know it's not only you're wasting it, but it's actually heating up uh, the earth. It's actually it's contributing to climate change. Uh, and as more and more people go into cities, the more it's going to increase. Yeah, and I mean, people might be thinking, all right, one house doing it, but then you have to think. The house next door to you is doing the same. You see, you lose the house 10, 10%, on the other side, and, of and it all adds up. And and you can imagine how many, how many watts, how many uh, or gigawatts, gigawatts, gigawatts. What the hell is a gigawatt? But anyway, um, like sort of how much energy is is actually lost if you add up all the households in the UK. How many? 30, 40 million households in the UK, something like that. Something like less. that, yeah. Then uh, you, you know, then you add up how many of these do not have our double glazing, even though a lot of them do now. But there's other things like sort of loft insulation. Some yeah. have inadequate loft insulation. I know, I know badly organized houses. I know that, I know that my local council's introducing laws that 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 houses have to meet a certain level of 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 efficiency now, otherwise they're going to introduce fines. So it means. So it means you have to pay for for certain types of insulation to be in, installed or if you haven't got our double glazing and they're kind of forcing that upon the homeowners rather than being a council thing. But Yeah, uh, but, you know, you know uh, at the end of the day, those, uh, after, you know, periods of several years, you actually save money. Yeah. Uh, because you will spend money to insulate your house, but then, in, you know, after you three, four, ten years, whatever it is, you will have saved up enough on power bills because you wouldn't have to heat your house as much. Uh, but this is, you know, uh, waste heat, which is, uh, you know, wasted from homes and normal people. And the fact is that the best way to, to use this is, is to keep it in. Because it's not like you can use the heat from houses to do anything. Yeah, well, it's too, well, but it's too low level, right? It's, yeah, it's like a few degrees higher yeah. than normal temperature. Ten yeah. degrees higher is not, not So it's worth. not a useful heat. It is that, not, yeah. No. Uh, but there's also the... Um, Do you want to kind of briefly explain why it's not useful heat? Just, well, it's just... Uh, well, the temperature gradient yeah, from of, of that heat compared to the sort of neutral level isn't enough to kind of... Uh, that would drive any, uh, any uh, process. No. So, um, so, so like... Although heat pumps do work on very small temperature differences, but this is slightly different now. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But, um, another thing which you can do to, uh, you know, in the smart cities, saying smart, but, you know, it's a very vague definition. Uh, you know, power plants, when they waste lots of heat, because the, the heat that comes out at the end of the power plant, you know, the, the gas turbine, is still hot. It's not really hot enough to do much, because, you know, it's... Most of the heat they waste is under 20 degrees Celsius, which might sound like a lot. You know, it's gonna it's gonna boil you alive, but in terms of industrial application, it's not particularly useful. But what you can do, you have uh, cogeneration plants. And 
and a lot of uh, power plants are doing this now. Yeah, they're using uh, the waste heat uh, in. I mean, um, I mean, conjunction with uh, with a cogent facility. Yeah, and basically what this does is that uh, I think Imperial College had a similar arrangement uh, that they generate their power and then they sell or give the heat to you know to buildings, so that you can use the heat to heat up water to uh, yeah. to heat up radiators. So this this heat does not go to waste, which you wouldn't otherwise use. So it's not like you know you have to you're wasting uh, like precious power. It's just that heat that would not be used at all. And then you also have you know uh, combined cycle plants, which are slightly different, uh, which is where you use this waste heat, uh, so if it's slightly hotter, to actually run a second power cycle. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't to all heat of it. up steam. Yeah, you wouldn't use you know, just that, but it does help with the efficiency. And you know, usually a, a good power plant will have you know forty, forty-two percent, forty-five percent efficiency for a really good one. But with the cogeneration plant, uh, with, sorry, with the combined cycle plant, comes it up to sixty or so. No, I think more than that, like seventy, eighty okay. percent. Then yeah. you've got other things like, like you know, ad, was it adsorption, uh, coolers and stuff. But that's um, but but at the moment these are quite expensive still. Yeah. Uh, well, it's the same reason like you know now heat pumps are becoming very very popular because the um, you know oil is getting expensive, so power is getting expensive, so it's cheaper <coughs> to install a heat pump. Uh, which we should explain what a heat pump is. Uh, it's basically it's a reverse refrigerator. So in your refrigerator, you have a cooling liquid which goes through a thermodynamic cycle, which uh, cools down the contents of your fridge. Mm. Heat pump is the opposite process. And um, I mean, just to make it easier to uh, I'll visualize, um, if if you go to the back of your um, fridge, yeah, I mean it's normally pretty hot. Yeah, and um, and sort of. That's that's the um, that's uh, the gradient in the temperature that that it's our driving through to yeah to, to actually get to that to get that yeah but the way heat pumps work is that um, people have realized uh, I think in the fifties uh, that fifties fifties and sixties it's in eighteen hundreds the heat pump. Well, the concept. Well, yeah, but I mean the heat pump. Okay, the heat pump. Yeah. Then. Uh, the soil is not uh, very good at conducting heat. So even if you have freezing temperatures above ground, uh, several like a few meters underground, you your temperature will be about 10 degrees Celsius, uh, always, independent of the temperature above it. So even when it's really hot, when it's really cold, because the it's on the conductor, good conductor heat, just the temperature will not go all the way through the soil. At some point, it will pretty much stable around 10 degrees. Okay. So what you can do is you put in pipes in the soil, and these pipes you will run some water and some other coolant. And they'll, as they run through the ground, uh, you know, especially if it's in the winter, they'll get heated up to around 10 degrees as the water is passing through the soil. Which again, is not much uh, to heat up a house. But what you can do is you can um, compress this uh, cooling liquid in water, and compression of uh, of uh, increases the temperature, right? So you can make this coolant, which is uh, you know. Um, 10 degrees up to 50 degrees which can then be used to uh, heat up water to heat up your radiators etc and so this is basically quote unquote free energy not really because you still need to compress it so you still need electricity to drive the compressor but the, the actual heat going inside the cycle is quote unquote free not with geothermal I suppose or actually actually it's not but it's, it's just geo yeah just from the earth um, so yeah, so heat pumps are quite popular, especially in very cold countries. Because, like, for example, in Italy, like where I live, it's not, south, very, it's not very, <laughs> not very useful. But if you live in Norway, uh, it's very popular. Uh, the problem with heat pumps is that um, if you have a single house, like you know, detached house, then it's easy to just dig down and put in some heat pipes. If you have a huge building, like if you, if the building is already there, it's not you can you can dig up underneath the foundations. And if you're building a new building, you still need to dig hundreds of meters into the ground for it to have, you know, for the heat pipes to be actually working for such a big building. So it's not a perfect solution. But there are other things that people are doing. Uh, there's a German company, a couple of German companies that are developing this thing. I'll read it, even though my German is terrible. Called Energietubing, in a very German. I wonder what that means. Well, <laughs> energy tubing. <laughs> Uh, so what they're doing is that they are putting pipes in um, on the ground in the in the tube in the rail stations. Okay. 
uh, because there's a lot of condition of heat and now you know, it gets really hot uh, in the in the underground and what they're doing is that they are capturing this heat okay and they're, they're using it so and also by capturing the heat with these pipes underground you're also reducing the temperature inside the stations all right so the nice so you have you know two effects well, there are lots of things they can do um uh i was reading somewhere that um uh that they're able to to um to install um what do you call it piezoelectric actuators in 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 the ground um sort of like in a spongy material so when people walk, walk up, over them, yeah, yeah that it actually drives that actually uh though it generates electricity from from the weight of uh, people's footsteps on it and yeah. i mean they can use that to to our power i don't know the um other signal um or just lights what or the lights or you yeah, know what the power. announcement or something like that yeah the, they had a um, proof of concept i think at the paris marathon uh, paris, yeah which was uh, just a front of walk on top of it and that was powering the screens over there yeah. wasn't it and um so yeah they they can do things like that where they can use energy f- from from just a sheer number of people walking out of a station i mean what if they did that say oxford circus i'm in london yeah and if they made uh the platforms like that imagine how much because that's used that that's like busy all day long yeah imagine how much that can i would generate but um definitely yeah yeah definitely um another thing i wanted to mention about uh this there's also the problem with all of these, uh, as I was mentioning before, with, um, with the heat pumps and new buildings. That you, you know, there's uh, the concept of smart cities has to be adapted to real cities, right? You can't just make new ones, even though they are. Well, yeah, um, they are building new cities. There's a city in Abu Dhabi called Masdar City. Yeah, well, I've been there. You've been there. Yeah, right. and and it's crazy, right? They have they've a solar power plant. They've they've basically est- established it built on this whole concept that it's going to be self-sustaining yeah ideally yeah. Yeah. it's going to be a four times as um, uh, less waste heat <coughs> coming from the city mm. and there'll be electric cars automatic electric cars running through tunnels on the ground yeah just to um, I'll put out there that it's not finished yet no, no, yeah. but um, but it is looking very it was, it was supposed to finish in 2015 2016 yeah, but, but it's not going to 2021 gonna... or something yeah, yeah so. but, I mean it's quite an ambitious project it, it cost 22 billion dollars allegedly uh, uh, which is a lot of money it's not something that people will be willing to spend if you're Abu Dhabi you have money yeah. you have money you have too much money you don't know what well they want to put like research institutes there well there already the, is there, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, the Mazda Research Institute and they've got all these other other sort of making it into um, a technology hub of yeah, which is, which of is, the Middle East and um, this is uh, this is similar to um, where I attended on the west coast of uh, Saudi Arabia um, which was um, a little city and they were uh, I'm looking to expand this and um, and and I think when you're starting off our building um, a city and you've got like sort of grand plans for it this is the perfect time to when you if you want to integrate smart city our designing they well they had all of these things like that's true but there's also uh, the problem is that like a monitoring um our uh the traffic uh volume um reusage of uh, wastewater any wastewater that was uh, occurring within within the town it was being used to then water all the plants and stuff and um they did um, put uh, put the idea out there that they wanted to recycle wastewater to be reused in homes, but that just didn't go down well with the locals. Um, and that's yeah, the, the thing there were there were plants, uh, other places as well to uh, recycle wastewater to use as uh, not as drinking water, but as like water used in the toilet. Yeah, that kind of thing, which is not a bad idea. I mean, it, it's if you think about it, we we use clean water to flush down, uh, you know, <laughs> our stuff. But the problem is, uh, you know, with this master city and building a city, is that what you're doing is you're creating solutions that are from the ground up. Yeah. Which means that in 10 years, these solutions will be outdated. And because they're from the ground up, it's not like you can change them. Because they're there. What um, if, if you develop solutions... Don't think of it like that, do you? Yeah, but, yeah, but if, you, if you develop solutions that are 
adaptable. Right? They are made for cities that already exist. You, it's like you, you can build a new London or a, or a new New York or a new Mexico City or a new Shanghai. Uh, you, have, you have to adapt your technology to the cities that exist. Yeah. And if you build adaptable technology, then in theory, this will be much more easy to upgrade. Well, it's showing how it can be done, right? They're showing it, it, you, you can... It's, it's you a can, proof of concept. It's, it's not... Yeah. You it's not the solution. It's just showing that some of these things might work. But, you know, like, the, having the automatic cars that run on the ground, that's not going to happen anywhere else. No, okay, fine. It's, it's not... It's, it's, just, it's just to look cool, because it's not feasible anywhere else. Like, you know, why would you, why would you dig down and build tunnels like that? It doesn't make sense. Like, it makes sense to build an underground system, but it doesn't make sense to build, you know, well, electric cars. Well, the way they're also putting forward underground walkways and stuff, which makes sense because it's so hot uh, above ground there. Um, and, and also, they're only planning for 50,000 people in this Mazda city, so it's not... And 22 billion for 50,000 people is is steep price. If the technology they developed will be adaptable to, you know, to London or wherever you are, then cool, but... You're looking at it as in, in terms of an investment, but it's going to be... If it's going to be self-sustaining and if it's going to be able to uh, drive itself uh, for, for the next few hundred years what's the but that, yeah, yeah but, but that's, that's the thing is that in, that's cool but it all this technology will be uh good for master city and that's it because at the end of the day uh, everything comes down to money if fossil fuels are still you know burning oil and being wasteful it's still cheaper than installing heat pumps and being you know but if they aware of climate change and but if it becomes so expensive in say a hundred years time or they became or they become so scarce other cities are going to be uh, are clambering for resources, whereas this is going to be but, but able that's, to. That's what, that's what I'm saying. So you develop solutions now that are more convenient now instead of going crazy and building a whole new city. That's what I'm saying. Okay, but um, I, I'm being a bit negative here. Yeah, but, but I just thought that, but if you are building um, a new city from scratch and you've got these grand plans for it, because let's face it, most cities they're not. Uh, they're not started from a plan, are they? they? Many are, though, like Brasilia. Okay, most old cities, they're not planned out. They, yeah. They've, what do you call it, grown organically from a trade center. And I, I can't remember, there's a, there's a, was a fishing village in China, I can't remember the name, I'll look it up, which used to have you know, a few thousand people 30 years ago, and now it's a, f- a city of 40 million. Okay. So keep talking, I'm going to find it. And so, and so basically, yeah, if, if you're going to, if you're going to set up a new research hub somewhere where you're going to have um, not not millions of people, but you're going to have a substantial number of people moving there, it's a it's a it's a great way to sort of start um, uh, researching or sort of Im- Im- implementing these concepts that we've been talking about into um, into practice. Fair enough. Fair enough. This uh, week in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam, there was the Hack in the Box uh, security conference. What? This is like, they had a conference for hackers? They always do. Uh, they have tons of them, don't they? Yeah. Uh, but, are they this, even but this one is more about security. So these are hackers that are working for the good guys, quote unquote. They're people who test security and then say, hey, you should probably fix it. And there was this guy called Hugh Tizo or Tezo. He did a talk called um, "Aircraft Hacking," which guess what? Guess what it was about? Um, was it a- apple pies? No, it's uh, hacking airplanes. So what he he spent about three years working on this, which is quite a long time, and he developed a, a script to uh, hack planes. <laughs> which is okay. How how do you hack a plane? Use a phone. <laughs> he ha- he has this uh, app on his Android phone, which. Thankfully, uh, you can't download. Uh, only he has it. Uh, what, which, if, what if you hack into his... I think it's unlikely mm-hmm. you'll be able to hack into the hacker phone. You never know. Maybe, they, maybe they, they're so confident they forget. Uh, but yeah, so... Oh, basically, there are uh, a couple of systems on, uh, on planes that uh, will have to be mandatory on, some, many, on all the planes in the USA, which are the... <clears throat> I'm going to read from my notes. Mm-hmm. Automated Dependent Surveillance Broadcast, the AD- ADSB, and the Aircraft Communication Addressing and Reporting System, or ACARS, ACARS and also the Fuel Management System, uh, flight, flight Management System. So these are basically the ways that 
the aircraft talk back to the, the stations and to the flight navigators and yeah and the fact is that uh there's he says there's no security on them even well, though it took him three years so there must be some security on them well yes um uh these he said that these aircraft they're still running old software and but, uh, but even the new standards the adsb stuff is is not secure okay uh, and basically you know he uses android phone uh to um to hack planes well not real planes they uh, it was a, a database of like simulated planes he managed uh, based, to based on real plane software and he managed to do things like uh what do you, what do you do like i he think he managed to change course yeah i would demonstrate steer the plane as well right uh, yeah, yeah that, that 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 he can change uh the computer's course i'm sorry not the computer's the but, but, but the, yeah what the plane's course when it's set on an autopilot you, you he can crash always, it you can stall it uh, yeah so i mean if if you can change its course you can do whatever you want yeah. then. but um he, he, you can also oh, turn lights on and off inside the carriages and you can sort of um like you know i activate different um systems in the planes uh, which is not can, very reassuring because people really don't like flying on planes and but uh, i'm i'm sure that you know after this uh they'll beef up security on these systems they have to uh so so yeah people think oh now you they won't let you bring phones and planes and but i, I don't think that'll be the case i'm sure they'll fix it they'll fix the holes in the system and yeah. plus you, you know uh usually oh, i'm generalizing here but usually people who want to hack a plane and crash it are not necessarily people who are able to do it they're not gonna have the resources to you, you never three know. years you, to research you get crazy intelligence crazy people uh, scripts uh, uh, well unless of course someone reads an app for it on the android store then come on um <laughs> like, like like you get guys that that you know put put explosives inside their underwear i don't think they're gonna yeah. <laughs> they're gonna be smart enough to <laughs> to to our develop scripts that can yeah I, that can break the, like, high the, security software I remember the like the al-qaeda training films apparently they were like sadly funny can you say that word on on the radio yeah we can you say al-qaeda well, I, I can't oh, you can't no but oh. i can uh, and you know like the they were trying to be like a this military force but apparently <laughs> they, like they were just you know, of, of course obviously they 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 were able to do i wouldn't know i've not seen these very bad things uh I haven't seen them either. I just re- I remember reading an article somewhere. <laughs> okay. uh, I'm sure you can find them online if you want them to. Hey. No, I don't want to find them. <laughs> I don't think you'll be able to find anything useful from them, you know? Okay. Uh, you probably learn more from like US military exercises, which you can probably find online as well. Oh, let's not advocate doing that. But if you want to, you know, it's a free country. Unless, you know, um, probably follow you I use the you dark net to... Yeah, use, use the Onion network. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, we keep talking about planes. Uh, yeah, planes are scary. What do you think, Salman? Like, do you like planes? I think planes are fun. Ah, uh, I don't know anymore. Um, okay, okay. Uh, anybody who spends we've like, talked about this before, but yeah, because yeah. I, I, I studied them, so they they're much scarier than because yeah. sometimes things um like you know and people with uh, nuclear power or things like that they're scared because they don't understand it. But you understand. But I it. are scared because I do understand it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, plane accidents are very rare. It's just that I, uh, looking, once you know, like all the ways the plane can fail. I was seeing a plane. Yeah, that's something that reminds me of something I've been reading about psychology that that you that you tend to over exaggerate risk when you have availability or sort of access to information. And so, yeah, because you know. And so, so like you're asked that list a number of ways that that uh that a certain system can fail and then they will and then you asked oh what straight away to was it assess how safe they are um you're gonna overestimate the risk um whereas you should just be looking at the at, at the Numbers. statistics yeah uh, but um looking at planes are what close up always excites the sort of inner child in me the seeing that oh look at this huge lump of metal that can get up off off the ground and stuff. look how thin those wings are and yet you're flying with them and they're made of metal yeah and they don't flap like most birds do um yeah i don't know but most birds don't scary. have huge jet engines attached to their wings i think the reason also the are scary uh, is that when they mentioned it before is that 
you're not in control. Like if you are steering a car, even though it's much much more dangerous driving a car, or a motorcycle even the most dangerous uh, method of transport, um, you feel like you're in control, even though you're, you're probably not, right? Because those accidents are not caused by you necessarily. Uh, but on the plane, you know, if the plane goes down, it's not like you have control over it, which is, I guess, why it's scary. Okay. I don't know. I'm sure there's some psychology stuff going on there. Hey, by the way, um, I was reading this um, interesting quote by by uh, Professor Michio Kaku, who you've probably seen on all these Discovery Channel uh, I have no idea what that is, but our documentaries. Well, anyway, he's famous for all the stuff he he talks about black holes and the, okay. and the, and um, sort of time travel string theory stuff. Uh, you'll see him if 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 you watch these things on was it was it maybe discovery? I'll, maybe I recognize him. But natural. Um, okay. Anyway, he's saying that the end of Moore's law is nigh within the next so, five to ten years. So tell tell the listeners what 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 does Moore's law say? Well, um, the general gist of it is that is that computing powers seemingly are doubling every year. Is it every year? Or um, I'm every not. Every few years, right? Every few years, our computing powers are doubling. But it's it's more specific than that. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's more um, the number of transistors. Yeah, uh, the number of transistors on a single chip. Is um is I- I- increasing and um I mean this is what um Moore, who was one of the co-founders of Intel. Intel, yeah. Yeah. Um. This this is what he predicted. When is it? Back it, in the. It says here. Wikipedia says the. Back in the sixties, I think. Yeah, sixty-five. Yeah. Uh, the period often quoted is eighteen months. So every eighteen months, the number of transistors on chips doubles. Okay. And yeah, and so basically, we're reaching the technological uh limits of this and um. Uh, it's getting harder and harder to add more transistors on, on onto the same chip. Yeah, because to give a sense of um, size, right? When when Moore wrote this paper, right, the transistors you had were, were big, like you know. Well, yeah, back then you also had valves, which were you know they were, analog transistors, mm-hmm. and they were huge, like you know, you would like, like the like size a of a bulb, bulb, yeah, yeah, or even bigger sometimes. Uh, and now, tell them what a transistor is. Uh, a transistor is uh, is basically a switch, it's an amplifier. Just am- am- amplifies the the. The electrical power, but you can use that as a as a gate. Basically, you can use that as a using more terminology here. Yeah, well, <laughs> so it sort of sends a signal. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's you know if um, with transistors you can create logic gates, which uh, you, with logic gates you can create a circuit. So you so can say yes, no, and uh, yeah. or so yeah. So you can have um, A and B operators. or say A. A or B and C. Yeah, and things like that. And, and obviously, you know, a much more complicated level than you can use it to build, uh, you know, fast CPUs that you can do crazy amounts of uh, of calculations. But at the end of the day, it's all calculations. It's all about doing calculations. That's what chips are. And right now, you know, we went from the bulb, uh, uh, bulb-sized transistors, uh, valves, to today's uh, chips, which the latest, uh, the Ivy Bridge, I think, from yeah, Intel. They're at 22 nanometers. Nanometers. That's... Uh, one bill one nanometer is one billionth of uh, of a meter, so yeah. it's twenty two billionth of a meter, uh, which is pretty small. <laughs> the, the, I think one uh, Intel guy was saying that you're basically talking about uh, atomic level. Yeah, not not quite there yet, but it's getting there. But um, like the way they have to manufacture these and sort of and sort of sort of manipulate these, uh... like the, the the tolerances they have are insanely small because mm. you know. Uh, it's just tiny, and, and you know now they make them three D as well. Like before, it used to be that um, they were flat two D plane, yeah. but now they can make them three D. So they're building them on top of the others. And... No, they do it already, but it's just like they they have like a, a third. They usually have two gates, and they have okay. a third gate which is in in different directions perpendicular. Uh, so they're three D, and apparently, I mean, I don't know specifics, but it sounds crazy difficult to manufacture. Oh, and and in fact, like you know, uh, well, they can't get. Much smaller, I don't think. This is this is where they've sort of started to reach their technological limitations. But uh. yeah, well, at least as far as we know, as Intel's PR has always been uh, very secretive about about its future development. They announce what they're doing like next, but you never know what they're going to be doing in ten years. Okay. So they might be working on something that we have no idea about. 
Sure, well, they've got stuff like quantum computing and all this. It's a different thing, but yeah. And sort of all these, what do you call it, molecular transistors and... uh, yeah, well, uh, which is people are saying that they're coming, but it's it, just our speculation. It but, sounds uh, like fusion right uh, right now. Like the quantum computers are always but there's always 10 years away. but there's always a certain research lab somewhere in um, uh, like our Silicon Valley who's sort of exploring these ideas. Yeah, and, startups um, and yeah, they're also looking at using uh, different uh, materials. So we've talked about. Uh, the graphene at length yeah yeah, we have. So we have, um, on, yeah. that and also uh, uh, gallium arsenide based um, yeah, transistors based yeah yeah so um, and uh, and what has been the um, what's what's been happening over the last few years is that is that as they're starting to reach this kind of uh, limitation um, parallel computing is becoming more and more uh, prevalent, right? Yeah, you, Where they're putting multiple GPUs chips. or you know or multiple core, yeah, uh, mu- you know, multi-threading. So you're you're spreading your operations, your calculations across multiple cores or across multiple processors. Uh, you know, super, that's how supercomputers work. They don't have like one crazy fast processor. They, they just got have loads and loads, loads of, of them next to each other, twenty thousand yeah. or whatever. I mean, this is thinking behind. The new uh, PS4 chip, right, as well. Where it's, well, it's an where, APU, isn't yeah. It? So it puts a CPU together with a GPU yeah. on the same. And because because yeah, and, and what an APU is is uh, you have the graphical processing unit GPU and a, a CPU, which is what so what's the CPU stand for? Um, computational processing unit. I guess so. Uh, let's just skip that. You, you guys didn't hear that. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and basically, you have the blonde mode. If, if you have yeah, if you have them on the same chip, um, the amount of information that can go from one to the other is, is more because it's faster the connection. Uh, so in theory, you can use them both to do calculations. And the thing is, that G- the way GPUs work is that they have multiple uh, processing units that they can process very simple operations, like shading, like shader models. That's kind of that kind of thing. But there's loads of them. So you can use them all at the same time, which you know you can do different kinds of operations. Like for example, uh, Bitcoin mining, which again is Seems another be, uh... thing that we always talk about. Um, yeah. So yeah, what do you think, Simon? About uh, CPUs? Do you think they're going to keep doubling, or will they stop eventually? Well, yeah, they are stopping. This is what they're saying themselves. But um, with with uh, with current. With 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 the current model of uh, our technology, yeah. Um, but who knows what they're gonna in- introduce in the next ten years? Yeah, 10, I mean, I mean years, yeah, someone might find something crazy, like you know, the new the new quantum tunneling, you know, that kind of thing. You know, when, it well, was, when it was discovered, it was something well, really revolutionary. Well, what now do you call it? Standard. Something else from a from a different field of uh, physics or or a chemistry can dark sort matter of, computers can sort of coming up um, soon. I doubt that, but I mean, they can happen. kind of. I would drive um, advancements here. So, like, so like, what some researchers who are um, who are doing nanomaterials, they might stumble upon something that can really help drive advancements. Some um, in CPU technology and graphene chips. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, every few years, there's a uh, there's a new material that comes up. It's like, oh, this is the the best new thing in this material will solve all our problems. At the moment, that's graphene. Although it does look very promising, more than uh, other materials in the past. But who knows? Who knows if it will ever come to uh, to the public? Because it might be all well good in like very specific applications, but we don't know if uh, it will ever be cost-effective to produce it in a large scale. Which we should also mention. Uh, did, we, did, we, did we talk about aerogels? Aerogels, yeah. We have. In the, in the podcast, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's interesting too, because... The way they developed the graphene aerogel, which if you guys don't remember, is um, you take a gel uh, and you take out all the liquid from it. So you, you're only left with the shell, basically. Uh, and so it's very, very light. And the way they've figured a way to produce graphene aerogel is uh, you can make it any shape and size, which was the limitation of previous types of uh, aerogels. You, could not, you, you had specific templates to make it, which is cool. Uh, so, you know, new technology, new materials. It will take years before they get to market. Uh, and who knows? Maybe we'll have quantum computers by then, so it won't matter. 
I think that will do it for this week's podcast. Uh, again, you know, check out the blog. We have lots of interesting stories on there. Uh, there's one about language and perception of space and time, which was quite popular. Yeah, which you know I posted mm. on the last Monday, two days ago. And you know, and someone you will write something on language too, bro. Southwest, right? um, I'm just, don't know yet. I'm just exploring my ideas and um, just trying to put some words on paper at the moment. Yeah, just check the blog and, and you know. Go to pi times pi times pi dot co uk. Yeah, pi cube dot don't, don't confuse people, someone. Yeah, pi cube dot uh, You know, we'll uh, we post a podcast there, so I'm sure some of, some of you will listen to it from there. And again, if you will listen to us on iTunes or Stitcher or any other service, uh, give us a review if you like it or just a rating. That would be awesome because you're awesome because you listen to us. And I think that will do it. Uh, nothing else you want to say, so let's just cut it here. Thanks, guys. Thanks, someone. See you next week. Bye.